what conditions are stipulations magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation SAG-AFTRA and the WGA, respectively actors and writers unions, have made the tough decision to strike against the AMPTP, which is movie studios, big streaming corporations, etc. So, in part one of two here, um, at least two, exploring these actors and writers' strikes, I talked to SAG-AFTRA member Marie-Cécile Anderson, who is an actor, comedian, and musician based in Nashville, Tennessee. Marie joins tens of thousands of her show business colleagues striking for equitable streaming compensation, i.e. a living wage, and transparent, fair contract terms from studios who are threatening to use their AI-generated replicas ad nauseum. Together, union members are facing a massive loss of work and income without a strict timeline on when it'll come back to advocate for their rights and the rights of people in their industry in the future. The corporate studios and streaming services, on the other hand, who make up the AMPTP, have made their billions upon billions of dollars on union members' backs, could certainly be replaced by AI themselves for what it's worth, and yet they refuse to even negotiate while the strike is ongoing. So definitely landing on the right side of history there, guys. But that is the short version. Um, for those of you on my Substack, this issue I felt was really better covered by the members themselves, so that's why I'm going strictly video audio version of my conversation with Marie. Hello, my name is Marie Cecile Anderson. I am a comedian and a very proud SAG-AFTRA member. Damn right. <laughs> I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived in New York City for 15 years, and that's where I got my SAG card. Okay. And Explain. I know I've heard other people bemoan, like, getting their SAG card. So just to, like, start out how hard it is to get into SAG. Oh, my gosh. for this to fall apart. <laughs> Well, so I started in theater. I, I mean, I started in theater when I was five years old. Like I've had the acting bug since I was practically born. And I always, A, I wanted to join Actors' Equity. So I actually did an uh, apprenticeship for 10 months in California, where at the end you were supposed to be given your Actors' Equity card. And that's a different union? With, it is a different, like, this is a theatrical. So yeah. Yes. So to tell this story, it's the reason why SAG, the, getting my SAG card was so important. So believe it or not, and I, I think there's actually been a lawsuit about this towards this theater company. When I finished my 10-month apprenticeship where I was making $91.17 a week to live on as an apprentice, an acting apprentice, um, when I asked to get my, um, that I actually would like to proceed in getting my union card mm -hmm. for the theater, they wanted me to stay on another six months after my internship. And I was like, no, I can't. I, I have, to, I would like to move to New York yeah. city. I would like to get the fuck out of Sacramento. <laughs> I actually ate a lot of concession popcorn and stole Skittles and stuff. To also nutritional value. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Only the best. But so I was promised my union card. I was then denied it. You know, I'm 21 years old. And what do you um, 
yeah and so what I, and i'm not going to fight this big theater company and so but since then actually they've gotten way better because somebody did sue them for it <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna say the theater company to do it at yeah. the time but yeah right so i worked so hard and then i did not get my actor's equity card Anyway, cut to years later, living in New York City, deciding I didn't want to do more uh, more theater. I wanted to focus on TV and film. So I started doing anything and everything I could to build up points. You have to have 25 points in order to get your SAG card. And so I did. Really culty. I mean, it is oh, it sounds pretty culty. <laughs> oh, just wait for it because... <laughs> I mean, I thought again, like, oh, this is just such a great, this is, this is really how it works as an actor. The truth is, is that I think a lot of people get like one huge big job Mm -hmm. because the, to join, it's like, I believe I paid $3,500 to join SAG as a broke actor. Again, living in New York City. Everything favors people who come from money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Music is the exact same way. So I worked my ass off I mean I studied studied acting in college you know I did this apprenticeship I was promised my union card for theater didn't get that denied that and then worked my butt off in New York City doing film and TV doing a lot of background acting Um, I did featured background work I tried to do under fives for soap operas and stuff like um, just to get because the more union work you you do as non-union you get more points and so you can join SAG I then had only like after, I mean, what is it? 10 years of work or something still only had like 16 points. And then, I mean, it was so frustrating, but then I got so lucky. Um, I auditioned, not, not my agent didn't even get me this job. I found it on my own for a web series. And we had a very successful first season of this web series that then for our second season, he had raised enough money to go union. Whereas then he was offering us to join if we wanted to. So I was actually SAG eligible. I didn't have to join, but I wanted to so badly. So then I had to pay the $3,500 to join SAG. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. My agent at the time too, I did not discuss it with her because I had been working towards this goal pretty much my entire acting career. Yeah. When I did join, I was so excited. I posted it on Instagram. You know, it was just like such a big milestone as an actor um, and a professional actor, too. Like, that's the goal, right? To actually yeah. get paid professionally to you're do doing what the you work. Are. So, and if we're what, talking yeah. about meritocracy type thing, like you studied this, you're putting the time in, everything should suggest that, like, you're thousands able to do this. and thousands of dollars. I mean, I went to theater, I studied theater in college. Like, if you're listening, I don't know if you want to study theater anymore. <laughs> like, I just don't think it's necessary. I mean, certainly a lot of people don't, but at least you're like, mm-hmm. that is evidence of for everybody who would be like capitalist, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You were literally doing that. I guess not literally. Right. But, yeah. Right. But um, so then I I joined SAG, was so excited to email my agent now that you can submit me to just union work. And she she got so angry she was like, you should have thought about this. Like there's, I can't submit you. I mean, there's just way more non-union work, like, and non-union work does not pay well at all. You also like are putting yourself in. Exist. Exactly. They don't pay well. The working conditions are, could be dangerous. I've definitely had some circumstances in non-union work where did not feel comfortable on set. The directors creep. And so again, that's why we join. That's why we have unions. That's why it was so exciting to join the unions. 
Like it so, ain't perfect, but at least it is what we've designed here to, um, I mean, then, so that, so my agent that I'd been with for a long time, all of a sudden was you. like, is mad at me. And this is in New York. And, um, why do you think so, that was? Well, I think that it, it you, they have to work harder for you as a union. They ha yeah, have to work harder for you. If you're oh, a union, no. they, well, in the sense that like, you're, I think you're also competing against a higher, not level of talent, but like, sure. I mean, possibly in New York City, I would say people from NYU or Juilliard or, you know, that the higher pedigree. <laughs> yeah, like that I echelon. Say. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe but, um, just like people who have worked more um, right. and have gotten other right. roles. Yeah. Right. But I then was lucky because it did open up a lot of opportunities to actually make real money okay. because I had friends in the industry who were um, assistant directors or um, background talent coordinators that did get me work. And that helped me. I mean, that helped me survive my time in New York City. Whenever I was absolutely strapped for cash, I could then email a friend and get put on law and order, you know, whatever as a background actor and make $198 or something that day. Okay. And that was a lot of money to me. I back mean, then. yeah, if you're not or still rent. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Then, so these are the benefits of being in the union versus not. These are the hurdles. Right. You have to clear. Yes. So, but I think that what's happening now specifically and why we are absolutely horrified about what the future looks like. I think it starts, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to watch Fran Jesser's um, speech. ...be covered because the eyes of the world and particularly the eyes of labor are upon us. What happens here is important because what's happening to us is happening across all fields of labor by means of when employers make Wall Street and greed their priority. I went in in earnest thinking that we would be able to avert a strike. The gravity of this move is not lost on me or our negotiating committee or our board members who have voted unanimously to proceed with a strike. It's a very serious thing that impacts thousands, if not millions of people all across this country and around the world. Not only members of this union, but people who work in other industries that service the people that work in this industry. And so it came with great sadness that we came to this crossroads, but we had no choice. We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. 
They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us as well as other labor unions. The entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, AI. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. Who cares more about Wall Street than you and your family? Most of Americans don't have more than $500 in, a, in an emergency. This is a very big deal, and it weighed heavy on us. But at some point, you have to say, no, we're not going to take this anymore. You people are crazy. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Privately, they all say we're the center of the wheel. Everybody else tinkers around our artistry, but actions speak louder than words. And there was nothing there. It was insulting. So we came together in strength and solidarity and unity with the largest strike authorization vote in our union's history. And we made the hard decision, and it's going to impact every single person that is in labor. We are fortunate enough to be in a country right now that happens to be labor friendly. And yet, you cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. We're not going to keep doing incremental changes on a contract that no longer honors what is happening right now with this business model that was foisted upon us. What are we doing? Moving around furniture on the Titanic? It's crazy. So the jig is up, AMPTP. We stand tall. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. We are labor and we stand tall and we demand respect and to be honored for our contribution. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. Thank you. And she is the president right now of SAG. Yes, of SAG, which honestly, when she first got it, I was like, the nanny is our president. But I tell you what, she has gone to bat for us and everything Good. she stands for. And I think the truth is, is I think that why she's such a great representation of what, like where we've come from and where we are now is because when she was in the nanny, it, everything was on network television. And right. so you could actually have the proper residuals. It's the streaming services that has fucked everything up again i can go back to music it's fucked our music career up but now it's like incredibly the streaming services like netflix disney paramount all this stuff, they're not even all the, like all the of, of things that you have to subscribe to even as a, a watcher to get things right 
it's all about the residuals for the actor because you get paid. Yes. Okay. So I, I got so lucky last year. I did one national commercial. I worked one day last year as a professional actor. I must've had 40 auditions last year, which also takes so much time and you don't get paid for, which that's oh, yeah. also another thing that they're trying to fight for, for us. Psychological energy that you can't oh, account my for. God. But... Yeah. I mean, and that's what, I mean, I think that I've been in this business for so long. Rejection is just like a huge part of it. I don't even, it doesn't even bother me anymore. When I was 20, of course it did. Now I just don't, I have so many other wonderful things in my life that I don't have to rely on that for my self-esteem. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yes. (laughs) But so last year, for example, I booked one thing out of all of those auditions. Luckily, um, the commercial contracts, it was a national visa commercial. Okay. With those, and that is actually not on the chopping block right now. That is not something that we're actually um, up for debate. You can still sag commercial contracts um, because they're, well, because the streaming services don't necessarily have commercials, that is a totally different contract. And so when actors on on strike right now we can actually still do sag commercials even if you went out tomorrow like is there a distinction because you yes you signed this before versus well it's just one. not on the chopping block it's okay. it's not something that they, it, that is being negotiated with these streaming networks because got it it's a totally different contract you, and it yeah this is really just like a negotiation with streaming networks yes okay yes from what I understand, okay. because that yeah. was a very clear thing that my agent, because I did have a commercial audition um, the day before the strike. And I was like, wait, can I, I mean, we're going to go on strike. Like, is this okay? And so she did send a list of things that you can still do as a okay. SAG. So we're going to get a lot of really sick commercials, which is great because who doesn't like I watching that? So I know <laughs> Tennessee is actually a right to work state. So um, it's been very different living here as well. Maybe you can explain a little bit more because my understanding of work to uh, a, a work, a right to work state is that even if it's union, if it's a union job, anyone has the right still to, if it's a union job that they bring to Tennessee, mm-hmm. they have the right a to, to bring a union job here, but then they're allowed to, let anyone work it not only you don't have to be sag that's my understanding too i honestly don't i should look into this more but i know arizona is also a right to work state and my understanding is that it kind of it limits the bargaining power that unions have because it essentially makes certain provisions for what are called scabs so right familiar with it in the teaching context, which is totally different. So it's like everyone across the board, if you're in a union, my aunt's a teacher when they were trying to strike to get more pay, people, for whatever reason, like there weren't any protections that only union jobs could work teaching. And so they could easily bring in scabs, which makes it that much easier for the people in power to be like, all right. Exactly. And so, so yeah. And some states don't do that. Right. So I, I do have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a big problem with that. For working so hard to get my SAG card and then to be in New York and like really still struggle as an actor. And then believe it or not, when I'm as soon as I moved to Nashville, when I first got here, it was during the pandemic. And 
I had so many auditions because actually a lot of work was coming through Tennessee since the writer strike all of I've had one no I've had two auditions this entire year where usually I have two auditions a week okay so that's a big contrast yeah it's it's been really and luckily I have an agent here in Nashville who is completely on the the writers and actors side Uh um and breaks down everything for us in a very long email (laughs) about every (laughs) other day But just that she wants to make sure that we don't break the strike. And But with this one national commercial, because of the residuals, because they actually, and again, this is just like so lucky, so grateful for this opportunity. It was my first national commercial. Um, every week I got a breakdown of where it played, how many times it played, and oh, then nice. the amount of money I got for every time it played. Okay. Because, but getting that and actually the residual breakdown is what makes sense. What's happening right now with the streaming services is they won't even, there's zero transparency of how, how many plays, what's the, you know, where is it playing? How many times is it played? Because every time somebody watches you on your device (laughs) or anything, you should, the actor, the writer should get paid. Because they're they're not even for. Yes. Yeah. It makes sense. And that's how it's always been. But the streaming networks, because I mean, it's truly is the wild, wild west. And they established this stuff so early, I guess, like, if we don't negotiate this stuff now, they will replace us with AI, they will replace like, all union actors will be out of work, because I mean, I just don't think that they value human beings. (laughs) No, I mean, like, it's, it's not personal and it's not personal if if that makes sense like it it's just right. about money to them so if something right. can replace that now do you think that because you mentioned ai and i know that that throws another wrench into the works even if you do negotiate this now what i would worry is like oh shoot if this is what you have to do if you have real actors is there then a new incentive to work with ai yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that this is what's a- terrifying to me is that yeah. like we can reflect on Amazon, we can reflect on Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, like all of these tech companies, mm-hmm. the exact same model, I think. Right. And it is, I think when you say Wild West, like in a legal sense too, there are you think of like going back to when we got labor pro- like protections in every other industry. And that was in like turn of the century that they had totally. models for unions in general. And so this is a literal new model of business that people, there's nothing legally protecting anyone. And I don't even think jurists know what protection would look like and, and how right. to adequately cover digital technology loopholes. Well- I saw something on TikTok and I a woman talking about um basically there was a law in place and it was it was for Paramount specifically mm-hmm. um for the movie industry way back when and it was like all the movie all the big movie businesses um for not you know dominating the field and did away with it in August 2020 Wow, I got to look into that. I jump in here because after talking to Marie, I looked up this Paramount thing. So 
It's called the Paramount Decrees, and it comes out of this Supreme Court case that started, was originated by the Department of Justice. So this is the federal government, the executive branch, originating a case challenging the movie studios. And the case started in 1938 and ended in 1948. So it took a lot of time and negotiations. Some of it ended in a consent decree, which um, you hear about in all sorts of forms of law and policy. It's basically a settlement agreement where the defendant party doesn't admit any guilt, but agrees to do something to settle the case. So that is part of why it was so easy to walk this back. But this was about the a bunch of movie studios in the 30s to 40s. And you have the big five, which again, remember, since we're talking about a case that was challenging movie studio monopolies and the decrees coming from that case were walked back recently as if they didn't matter anymore, bear all of that in mind when you hear who these studios are and the fact that they are still pretty much a monopoly three generations later. So you have the big five, MGM, RKO, the one that is defunct. So we'll give them credit for that. That one died. Um, Warner Brothers, Paramount, 20th Century Fox. That's the big five. And the little three, Universal, United Artists, and Columbia Pictures. So they were accused of conspiring to monopolize a lot of things. So they were uh, conspiring to fix ticket prices for movies, monopolize film distribution, so where the movies were sent, sold to be viewed, and monopolizing the movie theater markets, so only then distributing and controlling what's going on in all the movie theaters. This also, given that they're talking about ticket prices, distribution, and then where it plays, is what's known as vertical integration, which is a very monopolistic, laissez-faire capitalist, pro-private industry thing. It's basically when, I'll use the example from 30 Rock. What's vertical integration? Imagine that your favorite corn chip manufacturer also owned the number one diarrhea medication. That would be great, because then they could put a little sample of the medicine in each bag. Keep thinking. Except then they might be tempted to make the corn chips give you vertical integration. Wow, that should not be allowed to happen. So in this sense, it's like if you're controlling the ticket prices and you're controlling where the films are distributed and you're controlling aspects of the theaters themselves, you're controlling every step in this vertical process. And there's no alternative at any step in the process. There are these weird incentives to mess with those models and to have a virtual monopoly because you only had a certain number of big corporations. Sure, it wasn't mono, it wasn't one, but it was a very small number of very powerful entities. Even the little ones had a lot of power. So that was the circumstance under which they were forced to divest themselves of certain investments and interests in different parts of this scheme to dissolve parts of the monopoly that they had relinquish some of that control, loose some of the financial benefit streams that they had so that there was more room for, and it actually did have this effect. It um, helped spark the rise of indie and art house films. It 
helped contribute to the rise of television and independent movie theaters went on the rise afterwards and all of that contributed to the landscape and the in a relative sense diverse landscape that we had after the late 40s um and until today so the trump doj then in i believe they started this process in 2019 and then finally sunsetted the paramount decrees in 2020 when we were all super distracted walked back the paramount decrees um and the arguments that they made were so frustrating in a way that is so emblematic of a lot of like pro-capitalist private interest arguments. I don't know if it's knowingly in bad faith or if it's subconscious ignorance, bad faith, not observing society, letting bias observe. I don't know, probably a little of both. But the arguments that they made were like, okay, one in 2020, poor, These poor studios and the poor movie industry affected by COVID and theater populations going down. Like nobody's seeing movies, poor Paramount, poor Warner Brothers, they're the little guy, they're really suffering, let's walk back these Paramount decrees. Um, as if the profit sources for Paramount and Warner Brothers and Universal and MGM, Fox, etc., were the same as they were in the 30s and 40s, and that their only slash primary stream of revenue was theaters and people going to movies. Like, no, streaming had already started. If anything, streaming went way up during COVID. So they had this brand new stream of revenue. They were, I'm sure everybody took a little bit of a hit, I, but it, I don't really feel that sorry for you. And you're doing just fine. So one argument was that they were suffering because people weren't going to movie theaters during COVID. No, it's not the 40s. Um, another one was that competitors of those streaming services and competitors of the Big Five and Little Three that still existed, so MGM, Warner Brothers, Paramount, 20th Century Fox, Universal, United Artists, Columbia Pictures. I, th I mean, United Artists and Columbia Pictures, not as big a deal now, but I do think they both still exist. Um, so the capitalist, we should sunset this cohort was like their competitors being Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, things like that are not beholden to the Paramount decrees. So again, poor Warner Brothers, poor Paramount, etc., because they have to do this like fair market anti-monopoly thing that Netflix and Hulu don't. And this is to me one of those moments of like, oh my gosh, you're so close to getting it. But the getting it is like, no, we should expand these regulations and consumer protections, antitrust protections to Netflix and Amazon, not make perfect the enemy of the good and just have nobody regulated because poor Warner Brothers has to divest themselves of monopoly stuff and Netflix doesn't. So a lot of people are saying, hey, Biden administration, you actually really should be paying more attention and, and yeah. revisiting these laws because something something huge changed, you know, three years ago. And if we don't fix it now, I mean, it's going to be disastrous. It truly will be disastrous for the for the industry. Yeah. Either they're going to just like stop giving jobs to Julie Roberts or scan her movies and then continue to use her likeness. Like 
It's that's like the, thing the, that uh, it's... the Black Mirror. I don't know if you saw the new season of Black Mirror, but that's like the premise of the first one. And I, I heard Justine Bateman talking about that, that like a lot of folks are not even savvy enough about what the options are going to be with AI to know what to advocate against. Because the, the other thing I worry is like federal protection is one thing, but state by state is where a lot of other stuff happens. And we don't technically have a monopoly right now because we have a lot of different streaming services. So if they are all competing against each other. Oh, yeah, they're not going to. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, OK, I guess. Well, what are your demands and what are the trajectories that you see this going in? Oh, gosh, I have so many I'm demands. Um, <laughs> well, just looking at the breakdown, um, I mean, what we're fighting for right now is that inflation is at the top um, because SAG is after asking right now for uh, we need 11 percent general wage increase in the first year. So our members can recover from okay. this record inflation sure. during the previous contract. Um, but what they're willing to offer us they responded back with they'll give 5%, even though that means in 2023, earnings will effectively be significant pay cut due to inflation. And it is likely you'll be working for less than what you made in 2020 wages in 2026. And this is in addition to streaming already adding less money. Totally. In general. Right. So this is, I mean, we're just trying to make up for what we've lost. And then if we keep if we're on the same track as if we don't do anything basic, or even if we do increase a little bit, we'll still be making the same way, less wages in 2020, the, the less wages that we were making in 2020, this in 2026, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. But, which at the very least at the like best case scenario, it'll stay where things are because inflation generally does not move backwards. Right. So, so inflation is a huge thing. I feel like uh, inflation is such a um, sensitive topic for me because yeah. I worked at I worked at a um, a restaurant in uh, New York City for 14 years and I never got a raise until the very last year. Even though we survived like through the crap, the you know 2020, uh, 20, uh, 2008, 2008, yeah. yes, yeah. that full period of time. Like and the fact that be, even though everything was my rent was going up, cost of living in New York City was going up, we're still making. So I feel like I'm so sensitive to workers being exploited because they do not consider inf- inflation. They're aware of it, but yet, oh, yeah, they don't even consider it for their workers. Well, so, I mean, you think of like even the national like federal minimum wage. Not, I think totally. it went up marginally in recent mm-hmm. years, but for a long, long time, it hadn't changed since I was born. And right. so you think like, <laughs> right. has anything else gone up in, in price that affects right. living? Yeah, a fair amount. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's And uh, these rich people, I think that they just don't think we're smart enough to do the math or I have, I don't know. So anyway, inflation is a big deal. So I want to be compensated accordingly. Sure. And then obviously the biggest thing that I am absolutely freaked out about is this is the digital replica of your performance yes and that's like Um, the AI generated versions of actors what are the protections that you guys are suggesting for that good question so I think they're saying SAG has gone in there to negotiate and they're I think that they've been very savvy about that of like okay we know that this is something that is going to be, anticipate it yeah and yeah that we should be ready for this it's coming it's here whatever so i i mean basically it's just that like 
you have to be compensated for your likeliness or whatever. Yeah. I think that they're not completely against it. However, this is where it gets tricky. Be paid for not doing something. If you're paid for your likeness, that's not the worst thing if they pay you. Right. The tricky thing that they're trying to fight for right now is that like they'll have this stuff broken down in your contract. Mm -hmm. But unless you're like a super high powered person who has these entertainment lawyers who can make sense of what is said in your contract according to a- and AI negotiate. digital yeah. and negotiate then like us little people um will not be able to so i think that they really are trying to fight for more transparency of what this stuff means and for the little people to understand that um okay so they do want to do a replica of your loveliness and in per- in perpetuity or whatever yeah um so, so what does that uh, mean? What, do you what does that mean? Will you get compensated? Yeah. Because right now they just want to scan your face. I mean, especially as background actors, like scan oh, your face yeah. and be able to use you forever and always. So I think that they're really trying. What I appreciate is that like they're not just thinking of the celebrities in this. They're thinking of actually the working class That's people great. to understand what it means to have your body scanned. And then you're like, like kind of yeah. ad nausea. Yeah. Used forever. Okay. Right. Yeah, And maybe less wiggle room than in what kind of contracts places are coming out with so that nobody is hit with like, I don't know what this means. This is different than right. what we discussed. So I don't know if I mean, I'm a lawyer. I don't read the terms of service like. I, right. Right. Well, it's saying <laughs> that, like provisions to grant informed consent and fair compensation with with when a digital replica is okay. made of our performance is is changed using an informed AI. consent so it's like being yeah, yeah, biggest, yeah, like yeah. informed is key so okay right. yeah all right well i think that gives me a better picture of what you guys are looking for is there like a timeline that we should be aware of or i mean good question <laughs> they're saying that they're they won't negotiate while the union is under uh, is striking so that doesn't really <laughs> so that you're kind of at an impasse but then you have to no, just no yes no that's so the only it, incentive well i guess that it's, means it's working to some extent i mean i i read a thing hollywood's losing 30 million dollars a day so hopefully if you guys can survive long enough for that to like matter to them because it's not actually going to hit them in the way that it's hitting you but yeah like, right. right for it to matter to their bottom line yeah then- if anything I really pray that and I personally am going to double down on this but like do independent films because there are independent film contracts that that are still being allowed within within the strike for okay. SAG members um I think it's like the low budget indie contract that we're still allowed to do because it's actually for the low working budget. class people yeah sure yeah um, okay. but, it, but I did read recently, it was like, don't end your, your streaming services. Like we're not asking for a boycott yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, donate to, uh, the entertainment community fund, um, okay. which provides necessary funds for writers and actors to pay their rent and food. Amazing. I've seen a right. lot of things in LA, um, some food banks and stuff. If you show them your card, they'll help you get groceries. I haven't seen anything like that in Nashville, although <laughs> there was an active um, picketing line yesterday here at the, our SAG offices, which oh, was really nice. Cool. Okay. So there are a lot of SAG members here. It is one of the um, like next tier of cities, it seems, that yeah. 
you know, I'm sure there places is a went there to shoot kind of like Atlanta. Um, I know New Mexico has it. Phoenix is trying to get in on that game, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, it's cheaper to shoot here, maybe in part because it's right to work. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but yep. yes, there are more people in your industry there. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So who knows? I mean, I hope I would really like I actually just got a contract. It's non you it's I don't even it's a public access show oh, cool. where I would be performing as a comedian and singing and stuff. But I was just looking at the wording and it's like I, I don't like the wording. And this is what we're striking for. It's like basically I do this one show and then they can use my likeliness for however, wherever they want. Residuals no. on top yeah. of that. Yeah. And I really would like to do it, but this is what we're striking for. Yep. Like if you're we going to work every, with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's just, a, it's a public access thing that I do know that then it will be on Amazon. Like it's just a, it's for streaming. It will continue to stream and I will not get paid. Yeah. So like that's where. So they'll I, keep getting I'm, paid. I mean, just to like put it starkly, like they will keep getting the producers paid. Producers will get work, paid. Yes. But you won't. Yeah. Right. And as much as I want to do it, I think I'm going to say no, because this yeah. is the exact reason why we're striking. And this is we, where this you have to hope to end. everyone else is in solidarity with you, because if not, right. they'll find someone else and then you're SOL. Well, let me tell you, they always find somebody else. Right. This is I mean, so I guess terrifying. The caliber is hopefully what came with all that hard work you got to put into the union. Right. Um, <laughs> also, as a side note, good luck. I feel for you guys <laughs> thank I've you so much never realized how much having a little money has helped me and also how much having more money would help me oh I know if I right. had generational wealth we'd be cooking like <laughs> I know I know and I have to say because of that one visa commercial yep. I am able to buy oh. a townhouse I See, a down, put a down payment. So it was just, I mean, I can't imagine if I'd booked two commercials last year, like how amazing, how right, life changing. Like you see where you are is. on that spectrum. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, yeah, you really well, feel it. Damn right. <laughs> Love capitalism. Okay. I know. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, good luck to everyone. So thank you so much to Marie for sharing her insight and um, personal experience, familiarity with the terms of this strike, etc. Next time, I'll be sharing a conversation that I had with a costumer friend of mine. She is a member of two IATSE local unions in Hollywood. Neither of them are on the same contract timeline and thus are not on the same strike as SAG-AFTRA and the WGA, but obviously with all these things happening, work is really scarce and conditions are dire for her corner of the industry too. Thank you guys so much, and as my aunt and Warren Zivon have said, enjoy every sandwich. Bye bye <laughs>